Hello, you're listening to Deeply Curious. My name is Cody Jensen, and joining me in our New York City studio apartment is my wife, Sarah. Hello. And very special guest joining <laughs> us all the way from Enid, Oklahoma, yeah. sitting in a radio booth at KOFM, Oklahoma's <laughs> country radio, is my father, Greg Jensen. How we doing? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my dad is very nervous. Yes. This is his first uh, podcast. Yes. We also have him set up with a professional microphone and put a video camera in his face. <laughs> uh, it's not his regular everyday, you know, thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's but, not my regular <laughs> lifetime thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to have my dad on the show because there's um, just some things that I would like to just have a discussion about because that's what this this uh, podcast is about. Just having discussions. This it's called deeply curious because we're curious people, and that is actually what we're going to be talking about. Um, is just what does it actually mean to be curious? Curiosity. Yes, but before we jump into today's episode, first want to give a shout out and a huge thank you to our sponsor, Dad. Do you want to give him a who our sponsor is? B and H. That's right. (laughs) B&H Photo Video is a massive superstore in New York City that where you can get all of your photo, video, and pro audio gear. Yes, meet all of your needs. Um, The reason that we love them is not only because they have anything and everything that we could possibly want, but because they are committed to partnering with creatives Mm -hmm. and helping us create better art for you guys. So the reason that we sound so great <laughs> is because BH hooked us up with all of our podcasting gear. And if you want to see any of the podcasting gear that we are using, you can click any of the links in the show notes or in the description of the video. And that will take you to uh that those are affiliate links. And so that helps us out, lets BH know how you found, found them, them um, which uh, ultimately helps us out. So thank you guys for using those links. And also a huge thank you to BH Photo Video. Check them out uh, online and in their Oklahoma, in their not Oklahoma, their <laughs> New York City uh, <laughs> superstore. Yeah. Oklahoma's on the brain because that is where my dad is right That's now. Right. Enid America. Home. That that it, the reason my dad is uh, sitting in a professional radio booth <laughs> is because they live in a small town called Enid, and we were like, you know, how how do we get get a professional recording? Yeah, of how you? does this not sound like FaceTime? Right. I don't like... I don't want to do just a phone call. I want this to be professional. It's like, how, who do we know? You know, and he's like, well, I mean, I guess I could call my friends down at the radio station, <laughs> and I could sit in this radio booth and, and to record the podcast. And like, well, that wouldn't happen if you lived in a big city. So I guess. There's, Let's do it. There's advantage one of uh, living in Enid. Yes, it was very easy. They're very kind to do this. Yeah, so also, I guess, big thank you to uh, KOFM, yeah. uh, Oklahoma's Country Radio. Um, <laughs> so jumping into today's conversation, I wanted to talk about what does it mean to be curious? Because we named this podcast Deeply Curious, but we've never had a conversation of what it actually means to be <laughs> curious. And yeah. so I guess that's, that's the question that I'm going to throw out there is just, what does it mean to you to be a curious person? Shall I go first? Yeah. Um, I think at the most basic to me, being curious just means being interested. So it could be, you know, random facts or something like really important or somebody's story or what 
they enjoy doing, whatever hobby they have. Like, I want to know the ins and outs of it, you know? I think, like, just at the most basic, being curious means being interested. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking that curiosity almost, it kind of goes hand in hand with with humbleness because it it comes with the the notion that, or the, or maybe even the wisdom of knowing that you don't know everything. Right. And so it makes you, you know, curious to actually know things. Well, I mean, there are obviously, what, 8 billion people in the world. So there are 8 billion different life points of views. And I feel like you should want to learn them. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that makes you a more wise well-rounded individual yeah i I think it just means i mean to me it's always learning new stuff i mean just uh you know in in your job or in your just in life in general just you know history um you know being curious about uh you know back in school you didn't care about that stuff but as you get older (laughs) it seems to at least for me you know i'm very curious about uh you know history and and how we got to where we're at and uh, you know just and then as far as the job goes just always learning new stuff and how to better better yourself being curious about getting to the next level uh, do you think what's the value of being cur- a curious person um well i think i had mentioned it a minute ago but to me i think the value is just being well-rounded and um I think, what's that saying? Like, you can only be as interesting as you are interested. Mm -hmm. And I think that is kind of, to me, the value of being curious is like, you become endlessly fascinating to people. Right. (laughs) And and you become like a a good person, a well, uh, like somebody with a good work ethic. Like Greg was just talking about, like, just being curious about getting better at your job. Like, you become a, a better individual the more you know the better conversations you have with people um it's just it just makes your life much more interesting you know which you know in turn when you're with a group of people or you know doing doing what you do it just makes the conversations you know funner and uh more exciting right. yeah do you i guess do you feel like you have always been a curious person do you, do you were you a curious kid um that was a long time ago <laughs> um back in to a point i think i was i you know in school i don't feel like i was i mean i you know i just wanted to get through school and and uh my grade showed that but but uh, <laughs> but um you know I think I probably was, but not near as curious as I am now. I think I've became more curious as I got older. Yeah, Hmm. I think it's interesting that he mentioned, that Greg mentioned, um, being more curious in history, because you and I were just talking about that the other day, Mm -hmm. about how, like, if we learned history, like you're reading this book called Boomtown and this other book called Killers of the Flower Moon. Like if we learned history the way that those books were written, how much more interested we would be in history. And I think that's true. I think like whenever you're growing up, you don't really understand the value of, of knowing things Mm -hmm. until you get older and realize that I think because 
sort of when we're younger, we think we know everything. And then you grow up and you realize you know nothing. And that's when curiosity becomes um, valuable. I also think that it shows the value of great teachers. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Because history is one of those things that's only as interesting as basically the person that is telling telling you or the content or like the you know, the way it's written. And so Sarah's mentioned, I, I just read a book called Boomtown and it's all about how Oklahoma City started. Um, mm-hmm. And it is fascinating. I blew through the book. Yeah, you did. But it, I mean, I learned, I spent, I don't know how many years in Oklahoma, like in school, you have to take Oklahoma history. And, you know, they teach you all of this, you know, crap that I didn't care to learn because it was so boring. But then right. I'm an adult now, 30 years old, 29 years old, and I'm like reading this book for fun that is just <laughs> the history of Oklahoma City. Yeah. And, but at, whenever I was done with that, I was like, if history books were written this way, then way more people would care about history. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so the reason I wanted to talk about like, were you a curious person and that type of stuff is more so, I guess getting to the root of can curiosity be fostered can can you choose to go to become a curious person 100 percent. i'd say yes i mean i think um like all you have to do is decide to be interested like <laughs> you know what i mean it mm-hmm. doesn't take much to be curious you just have to be aware and like pay attention and ask questions that's not hard and you can totally foster that yeah. How do you, dad, how do you feel? Do you, ever, do you feel like you ever made the decision? Not, not necessarily you said, I'm going to be a curious person now, but do you ever, do you think there was a shift in your life going from being a kid who you didn't care into an adult who does? Um, there's definitely a shift. I don't know how quick it was. You know, if it, I don't know that it was overnight, but there, I mean, I do remember um, just thinking about history all of a sudden i mean it's like I'm, i might have been watching something on history or something i don't know what made me click but i do remember specifically um that clicking in my head that man i'd like you know i wish i would have paid more attention in school <laughs> and uh, learn this stuff so the reason i thought that having my dad in this conversation about curiosity is because I, you raised me to be a curious person. Yes. And so, I mean, my first question, I guess, would be, I mean, was that an intentional thing that you did or was that just an extension of who you already were? I think it may have been an extension for the, but at the same time, you know, we, I always wanted you guys to think for yourselves. I never, you know, um, I, I let you guys make your own decisions for the most part. I mean, it, there's lots of things that you know, we can get into, you know, parenting and raising kids. But I mean, as far <laughs> as just staying on that subject. Um, I mean, we can get into anything. Nobody's well, nobody censoring I know. us. I'm just saying <laughs> we all I mean, when you wanted to do something, we always tried to provide you with the tools to do that. And so you could be curious. I mean, you know, buying you cameras and and uh, ventriloquist dolls or, you know, video cameras, you know, whatever it was that you was really into, we always promoted, I mean, purchase those items so that you could, uh, you know, 
be curious about it and uh, figure it out. And yeah, and I, I think that for for me, I mean, I think that that played such a massive role into who I became. Yes, because whenever I was a kid, like my dad was just saying, that if I was got interested into something and I was genuinely interested in it, they would use their resources and help me, you know, foster that curiosity. Right. You know, I went through a lot of different phases as a kid, but, you know, we, I played every single sport whenever I was a kid. Um, you know, part of that was because of my interest and part of it was because of, you know, your interest, um, and me figuring out who I was and, uh, you know, separate from my parents. So like, you know, as a, as a small child, you know, obviously we don't know who we are. We just, we just are, <laughs> uh, we are, are, you know, our parents' kids. And so, you know, my dad's a, definitely a sports guy. And so, you know, put us into the sports we were interested in. But then those moments where I said, like, I don't, I'm not interested in this anymore. I mean, I, I, I didn't play it, you know, another day. You, it wasn't like you right. were, um, forcing me to right. like, no, we signed up, you know, you know, I always finish the season. Right. But, you know, if it was like the next season, I was like, I don't want to go back. You know, we, you would, I remember. You always, you always finish the season and got your participation trophy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Needed that uh, participation. <laughs> like I remember going, uh, playing baseball and having, uh, going all for uh, doing every step, you know, starting that, you know, I think at T-ball going up to, uh, coach what is pitch. it? Coach pitch. Yeah. Um, you know, going through all the all the seasons, and then the, the next season was kid pitch, and I wanted to quit. And I, I mean, I have a vivid memory of wanting to quit because I was just scared of kid pitch. And you know, you told me, or like you sat me down, or whatever, and you're like, I mean, why do you want to quit? And I was like, just because I don't want to play anymore. And you're like, well, is it because you're scared? And I was like, no, definitely not. I just don't want to play anymore. Um, and you're like, okay. You know, so it was like we had those conversations. It wasn't just giving into every whimsy. Right. You know, it was actually like a conversation of why and like all that type of stuff. But I have memories, you know, of not just hobbies. You know, there there's the hobbies of, you know, I got into ventriloquism and you, you know, fostered that. You know, we started with getting um, small puppets and then, you know, getting, you know, more and more expensive puppets. And as I continued to be interested in that, you know, eventually getting an actual professional dummy. Mm -hmm. um, but there's also other things like whenever you bought a computer um, back in, you know, the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I was, you know, this kid, you let me play with it. Right. And you let me, you know, do what I wanted. And even though I could break it and I could, you know, hurt the machine that you spent thousands of dollars on or how much ever it cost, you allowed me to explore and you allowed me to be curious. Yes. Which fostered just my, just who I innately was because it wasn't you saying like, hey, here, I bought you this camera or hey, here, I bought you this ventriloquism doll. You know, it was like, in no way did you you know, uh, ever think, you know, I, I think, I think I'm going to get Cody into uh, puppetry. 
Right. <laughs> you know, I found that I found that on my own, and you didn't, you know, didn't stop me, you right. know, and helped me and encouraged me. But, but more so, you know, what I was sorry. I'm gonna keep talking about the hobbies, but the the thing that I think was so valuable besides allowing me to have the hobbies is allowing me the access to your adult things um, like computers. And then I remember you bought a $1,000 um, three and a half inch floppy disk camera. Yep. <laughs> the, it was a digital camera that took three and a half inch floppy disk. And I, I remember that it cost $1,000 because yes. you, you, it was a big deal that you, yeah. that, you know, you were able to spend a thousand dollars on a camera. Right. And it, it immediately you let me play with it. Um, you know, when I was only, I, I, I guess I would have been in the sixth, seventh grade around that time, whenever you got that camera and you know, you could stick this floppy disk in the camera and you could take it's like, saying to me that it was a floppy disk. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> you could take, I think 12 or 15 pictures or something on, on each, uh, floppy disk. Um, Man, and, how times have changed. It was a yeah. big deal, though, back then. That camera was... A, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, you know, I was able to to use this thing and go out and just take photos and, like, cr and uh, foster my curiosity into photography um, and my interest and figuring out, you know, these different low angles and, like, do doing all this weird stuff that, like, you... My dad and my mom, neither one of you guys are, you know, artists or, right. you know, professional creatives or anything like that. So it wasn't that you guys were sitting there saying like, hey, you know, you know, why don't you foster your, uh, um, the, the, what, what you're feeling like, go you, work oh, your you're, art. you're, you're sad. Why don't you go write a song about it? You know, it was, <laughs> it was never like, you know, fostering that creativity in that way. It was just allowing me to be curious which I think was so valuable, and I think it's such a huge lesson in, I mean, parenting, I would mm -hmm. say. Yeah, I think mostly just allowing people to, allowing your kids to explore, um, but also when you grow up and you're responsible for yourself, exploring is just so important. Like, you don't even know what you're gonna find, and that is gonna change your life, you know? Yeah. That's what curiosity is about. Um, another story is you, uh, many, many people who listen know that you bought a water park or you owned a water park whenever I was a kid. Um, so I was in third grade whenever the water park was purchased. And so I spent every summer from that point on until I moved out at this water park, learning and being curious and doing all these things. But, uh, the, the thing that this memory that I have is you had a welder, um, you know, there for repairs and all that type of stuff. And, you know, whether this is good parenting or not, I don't know, <laughs> but you allowed me to play with the welder. Mm -hmm. Like I was curious, how does the welder work? Mm -hmm. And so I, I found this broken wagon and I, you know, you told me I had to wear the mask. And so I put the mask on and I, fixed the wagon you know it was a, like the worst welding job you know on, in the history of welding and it you know broke after you know two days mm -hmm. but then i was like okay it broke so i can go back and i can weld it again and so you know my curiosity didn't foster into a welding uh you know career but 
it, I was curious enough to now know, generally speaking, how a welder works, mm-hmm. you know, TIG and MIG welding. You know, it's not like I ever went to school or learned any of that type of stuff. It's just because it was, it. you were doing things in front of me and I was interested and you allowed me to watch. Right. Part of it may and have been selfish on my part because the better you got at video and stuff, the more I could use you for <laughs> advertising <laughs> for the water park. <laughs> Hmm. but you did make some pretty good commercials and and a lot of good (laughs) pictures we took for advertising that is that's true you know fostering uh me to be be a part of the family business Mm -hmm. Uh, you know then you had to get up and move away so yeah (laughs) um another thing with being curious is being a curious person means that you do not fall into group thinking. Yeah. That you are curious about what other people's, you know, opinions are. You're curious about how other people live. You are curious about just life outside your own. Mm-hmm. And so I think that curiosity is a it's it's almost needed. Yeah. In in most of our lives, especially in our political climate, and I don't want to get into like a, you know, a, a political discussion because we could talk about it forever, but just I think that if in this world if we were all much more deeply curious people, we wouldn't be in such a divisive culture. Yeah, you know, um what I think I was kind of mentioning this at the beginning when we were talking about what even is curiosity about how there are 8 billion points of view and like you should go out there and learn them. I think curiosity, this is literally just a thought. I It just popped in my head. So I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. I think curiosity fosters empathy. I mm. think it teaches empathy. Even if you're not um, curious about another person, you're curious, like it, it's just such a different mindset that like it puts you into being a more empathetic individual i think or at least in my experience like i like i'm curious about all kinds of things but like most of the time that'll involve a conversation with another person right i'm like curious about your hobby and like why you like archiving or whatever it is you know that fosters a really great conversation even if archiving doesn't seem that interesting like the person is passionate about it you know what i mean so like you learn to love something because somebody else loves it right and i think that teaches empathy yeah and something talking about you know listening to other people i mean i have employees that you know help fix up houses and remodel houses and stuff and you know i have the way that i want things done but at the same time i want to hear their opinion on that and if they have a better idea then i definitely want to hear it i mean i want to hear their opinions good or bad you know and then you know i'll make a decision off of that but you know i am always curious to uh you know looking at uh what how they feel about it and and making the job easier and quicker and and uh cheaper whatever it is Uh, yeah yeah. i mean i think you shouldn't be so i don't i don't think arrogant is the right word but arrogant that you think somebody else wouldn't have a good idea you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. yeah you should always be curious about what other people's input is because it could save you time it could save you money it could save you 
lots of things, you know? So like not being so stuck in your mindset um, pays off. It like it benefits you, right? <laughs> you know? So before we move on in the conversation, I guess, do we have any advice for people who don't feel like they're a curious person of how to go from a basically a, a fixed mindset to a curious mindset? Um, my advice is just kind of like the thing we always say is read the plaque. Mm. Um, and w- obviously we're talking specifically like at a museum about a painting and like you read the plaque of like how the painting came about or you read, um, you know, whatever. I, I think it's just that kind of general idea across the board, you know, just just read the plaque. Like you see something that sparks your interest in a bookstore, like some cover that sparks your interest, pick it up and read what it's about. Like see why it sparked your interest. Um, one more, th- another thing that um, I read in a magazine one time is they said that like go to a bookstore, find the first book that catches your eye and buy it and read it and see why, you know what I mean? And I, I think it's that. It's just like, paying attention and reading the plaque mm-hmm. would be my advice. I think another thing is to start asking questions mm-hmm. that just, I again, it kind of goes back to the humbleness thing that if you don't know something, don't feel like it is stupid to ask a question. Right. It is not. Like it's stupid to not ask the question. Yeah. That if, if there is something that you're like, I wonder how that works, ask. Or I don't know how that works, ask, you know, yeah. or... Why is it that way? Like, I think that part of it is a twofold. One, don't be so arrogant that you you think that you need to know everything. And so you're, you know, you don't want to look stupid, you know, to, right. to ask. And then also, I think on the other side, that if you do have really low self-esteem and you think, well, I mean, I'm just dumb. Like, I don't really, you know, I just don't know things. I can't learn things, I, you know, whatever. Those are all lies that mm-hmm. you are telling yourself. And in reality, you have the ability to learn the things that you want to learn. You have the ability to become a curious person. And right. even if you do forget it in, you know, the, the next day, at least you were, you know, feeding your mind. Yeah. And nobody, nobody looks down on somebody asking questions. Right. I know that's like a common fear. Um, like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to look like the idiot who doesn't know. Right. But but nobody thinks that literally nobody they're like oh they want to improve themselves let me help them and then they tell you (laughs) you know yeah something that i'm always real curious about is why people are the way they are i mean why they are depressed or uh scared or you know just loud i mean obnoxious i mean Mm -hmm. if you look past that and get into their history you know their childhood whatever it's it's uh it's very fascinating to see and it's easy to see once you see it yeah but mm-hmm. um you yeah, know that's why when somebody's saying well, that person's a jerk you know well i mean because they said something and i'm like well you know is that right. really what they meant um you know yeah. I, I, it, I always try to look back and see well i mean i don't think that's really what they probably were meaning i don't think they was meaning to be mean to you it's just you know their mm-hmm. history um, has caused yeah. them to react to certain things in, in certain ways. Yeah. I, th- I think what Sarah was saying about, you know, nobody you know, is going to think you're stupid for asking a question. 
I think that that's actually not true. Um, I know it's not true, but <laughs> there are plenty of people who are going to think that you're stupid um, for asking a question, and they're going to be like, "You didn't know that, whatever." And you're like, "No, you know." But that. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm saying is, is that that general um, idea doesn't stand. There are going to be people who think that you're dumb for asking a question. Yes, but generally speaking the whole population of the earth is not looking at you like you're an idiot. But I think That's more so that if, you know, if people are looking down on you and they are thinking that you are stupid for asking the question, those are actually the stupid people. Oh, Though, yeah. I mean, they are, they are the idiots who are thinking that you should know everything that they know. It's the curse of knowledge. Yeah. Um, you know, an idiot may be too strong of a word, but, you but know, maybe not. It's what I got. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to pivot the conversation, uh, which will be a pun here in a second whenever you realize what the topic is. But first, we're going to take a short break. Deeply Curious is also brought to you by Deeply Curious merch, which you can get at shop.deeplycurious.fm. We have a few different t-shirt and hoodie options and also a coffee mug so you can sip your deeply curious coffee while you're listening to your deeply curious podcast <laughs> there's deeply curious coffee <laughs> oh if it's in a deeply curious <laughs> mug then it's deeply curious coffee gotcha. everybody knows whatever cup it's in that's what it is gotcha yeah. can we promote tea though instead of coffee yes thanks yeah so whenever chocolate. you're having yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so if you're having uh some english breakfast tea or some hot chocolate with baileys yes. in your deeply curious you. mug uh, you know, you can tell us. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the next, the other thing that I wanted to talk to my dad about is something that he has set an example for me, um, basically my whole life. And that is never being afraid to pivot and, in life and in career. So um, I guess I'll let you jump in here um, instead of me telling your life story. Um, I'll just let you do it. So you, you want to hear my life story or? Uh... I mean, just, <laughs> just, I think just your whole every 10 years, you know, type situation. Okay. Um, well, you know, coming out of school, I had no clue what I was going to do. I didn't, I really wasn't college material because, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I think they passed me just to get me through, you know, <laughs> you know I don't think uh, my grades had anything to do with me getting, graduating, but, <laughs> but anyway, you know, I did take, you know, my junior year, I took auto mechanics thinking that might be something I could do. Um, I quickly learned that uh, that wasn't my thing. I, you know, I, Probably the best thing I learned out of there was how to play liars poker, you know, because <laughs> pretty much all we did was <laughs> played games instead of learning. But um, then the next year I took carpentry because that was what my dad had done, and uh, uh, so I thought, well, maybe that's what I w will be doing for the rest of my life. And so after school, I took a job with a builder, lasted for about four months. Um, I really don't know if I left the job or if the job left me but um <laughs> you know i but worked i worked a few jobs but then um i 
uh, got a job as a grain inspector, and I did that for 10 years, and I worked my way all the way up to uh, uh, the quality control person. The only person ahead of me was the owner, so it, it kind of got to a point where, you know, there was nothing to, uh, you know, nowhere to move up. Then had an opportunity to go to work for a friend of mine, um, did that for two years, but, you know, the and the thing is, it, it's scary sometimes, but, you know, if you get to a point in your life where, you know, you're just not moving, you know, you got to take that risk and, uh, and, and go for it, you know, and, you know, and that job, you know, it was fun for about six months out of the two years. But anyways, um, at that point I had the opportunity to purchase the water park and, uh, I was 32 years old, um, at that point, I'd worked 10 years as a grain inspector, two years at the uh, uh, RV uh, parts and service, and then moved into uh, the water park. And we just, we risk everything, you know, because the water park at that point was losing money. Um, and we were taking on this challenge that we had no, no knowledge about whatsoever. Uh, we bought the park in March, you know, is opening in May. And end of May, so we had like three months to learn everything we needed to do, how to get the park ready, um, and we was able to do it, and uh, probably didn't make it much money, if anything, that first year, probably lived off credit cards, but, um, you know, the second year, we started making money, and then we, um, you know, had several really good years, but first of all, the water park is a six-month-of-the-year deal, so the other six months, I'm trying to figure out what to do. So we started several other, you know, little businesses. You know, we started, at one point, we started a, a skateboard shop. Well, we rented the uh, local putt-putt and operated mm -hmm. that. And and we started a uh, skateboard shop, Cody. Um, Which I think that right there is another curiosity thing because yes. I got really into skateboarding. Yes. And you, wouldn't, you would have never started a skateboard shop on your own. No. But... You had the space, and I was very into skateboarding. I was like, "We should open a skateboard shop," and you're like, "Okay." Yeah. And then you know, but <laughs> you're going to work it. It was very cool too. It was a very nice shop, but um, right. You know. And but also you you you, we, you opened it, but then you but you made me work it. Yes. And so you know, it not only was it like it playing into curiosity, but also building you know skills and work ethic in me because you're like, well, let's let's start it, but also you have to you know be here after school and work until <laughs> you want to open it, you're gonna yeah, open it whenever so yeah <laughs> yeah, but that was a lot of fun. Um, you know you your friends loved it, you know because I got to hang out and but then you know we actually had the water park for 20 years um, but 10 years into it, um, you know my curiosity got the best of me and and uh was having a conversation with uh with a friend and i said something about uh real estate and that i thought about getting my real estate license and my wife overheard me and uh next thing i know i'm signed up for the uh, real estate course <laughs> <laughs> and so anyways you know and a couple of years later i got her to get hers and um so for the next 10 years i mean we're operating the water park but at the same time you know it's it's getting harder and harder to operate because the real estate's just uh, kind of taken over our lives. And then, you know, several years into the real estate, we're doing really well. We start investing in real estate. And then I started a rental management division 
And then 10 years into it, I wound up buying the company and uh, kind of pivoted the company from real estate to, we still do the real estate buying and, or, you know, selling and buying for people. But, uh, but my part of it is, has switched over to rental management and investing. Um, you know, I buy several houses a year and uh, rent them out and I've got a crew and and uh, everything. And that's kind of the direction that I'm heading now. So, I mean, it seems like about every 10 years I'm pivoting to something mm-hmm. new. And it's, yeah. it's just gotten better and better every time. But, you know, you don't you don't just quit one and get into the other one. Every time I've pivoted, I pretty much knew where I was going and, and uh, had a plan you know, for mm-hmm. the, for the, um, for the next step, you know, so I was always prepared and felt pretty com- com- pretty comfortable because I was kind of doing both of them at the same time, which is a lot right. of work, but. So th- my, the reason I, th- I appreciate my dad's story in this is because I was able to grow up during a time, the time of his life of whenever I was born of you, you know, were working uh, Domino's or Pizza Hut? One well, the- I was working at the grain inspection uh, as a grain inspector. Uh, but, you know, my philosophy always was, which is kind of the opposite of yours. But um, <laughs> if I wanted something new, if I wanted cable or if I wanted uh, um, a new car, you know, I didn't cut one thing out to be able to get that. I went and got a, I went and figured out how to make the money to get that item. So <laughs> maximalism yeah. versus right. minimalism. Yes. <laughs> so you're working, uh, you know, delivering pizzas to I pay for new pizzas, cable. I delivered pizzas. I worked at the racetrack uh, and the concessions yeah. on Saturday or you know weekends and yeah, um, just Olin Mills delivering packets and just mm-hmm. you know whatever. I put on some roofs for people. You know, it's right. just whatever I could find to do extra. And those were the things that I saw. Yeah. Because, you know, the, I mean, obviously I, I saw the grain inspection, but that was also something that you were doing the nine to five. You know, it was, it was, I, I didn't really notice that, you know, there was a few times that I remember like going up there with mom or whatever to visit you or something. But I remember, you know, going to the racetrack for the concession stand and, you know, the, the other gigs and so basically as a kid i got to watch you know my dad do all of these different things and then start working at this rv place and then purchase a water park um and then not only purchase a water park but take the water park that had been closed and reopen it you know revamping it cleaning it and fixing it and doing all of the the things that it takes to actually open a water park and then, you know, work, work in that business for 10 years and, you know, with while at the same time, you know, raising me, putting me to work at the water park and teaching me valuable skills there. But then this is the part where I think is such a valuable story is that you had a career job. I mean, not the, the grain inspection was a career job, pivot. And you buy into a better career job where now you are now the the owner instead of the just below the owner. Mm-hmm. And you are building this business that 
you only have to work six months of the year um, mm-hmm. and you can, you know, provide, you know, mo- uh, modestly for your family, um, you know, for the whole year by working those six months. Um, but then you, in that meantime, you weren't afraid to try other things. And I, I watched as, you know, we uh, tried out a the putt-putt business, um, the skate shop business, a um, fiberglass business working in the oil field. Um, and I got to see not only the successes, but the failures of those. Yes, we, um, yeah, we didn't talk about the failure of the fiberglass business. That was not <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, but I got to see those and I got to see you succeeding in some and failing in others. Um, but that never, you never, I never saw you stop, nor did I ever see you, uh, I guess get down on yourself for that of, of, of just like, Oh, woe is me. I failed. I can't do this, you know, type thing. It was like, Oh, well that failed. That is, that's on me. I guess I'm going to have to take, I, you know, I saw you take responsibility for other people's actions even, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, taught me things. But the grand scheme of this story though, is watching you pivot and watching you do something that I think most, if not all, um, close to all, uh, millennials are so afraid of doing. Yeah. I think, well, speaking for myself as a millennial, (laughs) I think we're so afraid of missing it that we actually don't do anything instead of just realizing that we can try anything and like time is on our side. You know what I mean? I think that's, we feel like if we're not, you know, rich and famous and successful by 25, then we failed. Mm -hmm. But like, but that's not true (laughs) by any means. And, um, just by trying things, you know, that's where you find your life's work. But yeah, millennials are terrified of that. Right. And not only are, I feel like are so many people afraid to start something. So, you know, it wasn't an easy thing to buy the water park. It was like all the chips on the table type situation yeah yeah, Um, we risk everything for that and so it wasn't easy to say yes to the beginning um but even still risking everything making it work i feel like in um my generation i just see so many people they wouldn't put all the chips on the table because what if i hate it what if this doesn't work out what if i what if i am successful Mm -hmm. and this thing actually becomes something and now I'm stuck in this and I don't actually want to do it. Yeah. And I think that the lie, I don't know where we got the lie from, but there is this lie that if you start something and you get into something and you start a career or you start a job or you create a business that now you are stuck in that business right. for life, forever, yeah, you can't get out. and you can never get out. I think, well, I think the reason we're so hesitant to, to do anything is because of that. Like, I think we're so hesitant to because we, we feel like the choice has to be absolutely perfect or absolutely right, or our life is ruined. You mm-hmm. know, we're not, because you can't get out is the idea, right? Um, 
I don't know where it came from either, but it's definitely something that we're scared about. Like we're, we're terrified of picking the wrong thing. Um, and that's, I think the, the brilliance of Greg's story is that like every 10, every 10 years he pivot has pivoted, you Mm -hmm. know, like, and it has not stopped his career it hasn't stopped him building his life it's actually know? multiplied it's his multiplied career. yeah like not being afraid to pivot has benefited you and your family mm-hmm. and i think I, I think that's the lesson yeah and i think that knowing that you're not stuck in something is so valuable one to actually and make, freeing yes and freeing to actually make the decision to do something because you're trying something isn't signing a lifelong contract right it's so it's so freeing to be like i'm gonna try this thing and if it doesn't work cool i'm gonna try another thing again it goes back to being curious i think Mm -hmm. it's keeping that like open mindset that like you're not stuck and as much as it doesn't feel like it i think time really is on your side yeah like you don't have to be successful at successful the the classic definition at 25 Mm -hmm. you know that most people aren't most people hit their success way later in life right and so yeah i think it it goes back into like keeping that mindset yeah you know when like i say when i got out of high school i didn't know what i was wanting to do and i think you you don't you can't let that hold you back you know i mean i i didn't feel like i was smart enough to do much of anything you know, if you don't um, try, you're never going to get anywhere. If you don't, you know, my thing is, you know, if, if there's an opportunity and the door opens for that opportunity, if you don't stick your foot in that door and hold it open, the door shut and, you you know, you can't, you're never going to get anywhere. So don't ever give up on your dreams. If you've got a dream, just, you know, work your butt off till you get there. So I think like what we are saying is, with uh, our generation is it's, it's, being um like paralysis by analysis um being paralyzed by the by so many options yeah you know there's you get out of high school and all throughout high school and your parents and all of your teachers have been telling you you can be anything you can do anything that you want to do and so then you graduate and you're like okay i can do anything that i want to do and i have what do i want (laughs) i have no idea yeah and so it's it just not being afraid to actually pick something to actually start something and if you if you get into it and yeah. you don't like it and it doesn't work out you can always do something else yeah and i think mostly um like kind of to what your dad was saying it just takes grit mm-hmm. like regardless of what you think your skills are or your IQ or, you know, what your insecurities, whatever, all it really takes is grit and like not stopping and just picking something. Right. Seeing how far you can. Yeah. Fake it till you make it. Seeing how far you can go. Mm -hmm. So the, the things that my dad has modeled for me in my life and, and other factors led me to the point where I, in the same thing i was in a career job Mm -hmm. for 10 years until i was 27 28 28 um, 28 years old and we decided to kind of do the same you know we didn't buy a business but we packed up 
sold everything and started a new life in New York City um, where we basically risked it all to follow our dreams and to do something. Um, And I went from a you know, creative director. And it's not like I completely like a 100% pivot, you know, of, right. of, you know, leaving creativity or even like multi multimedia or whatever you want to say it is. But, you know, I went from a, being a creative director where video was a part of my job, very small part, yeah. but you know, it was only yeah a small part of my job to the point now where I was like, wait, video is one of those things that I do in my regular job that, is is one of the things that energizes me the most. It's the thing that I started with whenever I was in seventh grade. You know, video was what really got me into creativity more than photography, more than graphic Mm -hmm. design, you know, more than creative directing or interior design or any of the other things that I do love. But video is really the thing that, you know, is my passion and Mm -hmm. it drives me and it energizes me. And so went from 10 years of being a creative director and decided, well, just I'm going to pivot and, you know, sell everything, move to New York City. And now for the last year and a half, I've been making at least a video a week, at most three videos a week yeah. um, for a year and a half to the point where now where I've, I, I don't, it's like getting close to 175, yeah, something like know. that, you know, videos that I have created in the last year and a half. Yeah, um, and eight, eight and a half more years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I I just I want to say something, or I want to point something out that I think yeah. is actually really good advice for um, people who are maybe um, dissatisfied and like looking for something new, but have no idea where to even begin. Because you said video is where you started, mm-hmm. and you went back to that because that's your passion, um, Greg. Even though like you've pivoted, you know a lot of times but some of the stuff that you did in the very beginning was like like carpentry putting up roofs on for people which is like <clears throat> all involved in real estate and right. flipping houses and the things you do now i think um we forget that what we did as a kid just for fun is actually really important to who we are as adults yeah. and so like if you're having a hard time i think finding your passion or finding that thing you know that you want to pivot to, that you want to change, go back to when you were a kid. Like, what did you love? You know, there's going to be something there that turns into something else whenever you grow up, whenever you're an adult. That's Mm -hmm. what you should be chasing. Yeah, that carpentry skill, I mean, that I learned back then uh, has been, you know, priceless, you know, nowadays because, you know, when it comes to knowing what we can do and can't do, I, I know firsthand how to do it. Of course, I'm not doing it, but I, you know, <laughs> yeah. I can tell somebody how to do it. And, yeah. uh, um, you know, it's just been very valuable to me. And mm-hmm. that, that is curiosity. Right. That's what yeah. curiosity brings you. It brings yeah. you those skills and that knowledge that you won't even realize you need mm-hmm. for years down the road. Yeah. And I think curiosity breeds creativity as well yeah because like you know with my dad you know he has all of these like you know carpentry you out you know how you know to uh spray fiberglass you know you know how to fix a 
a uh, a pump and you know how to you know i you i could go on and on and on i could spend probably this entire episode saying all of the different wildly different skills that you have gained over your life and i think that whenever where creativity comes in that is that knowing those different things allows you to make connections that somebody else would yeah. not be able to make yeah that's creativity right creativity isn't you know it is painting and music and art and whatever but it's it's problem solving it's making connections that's creativity yeah well and t- i've got to give my dad props too because he's uh <laughs> i learned kind of the same thing from him i mean he pivoted you know through jobs you know he had a termite and pest control business he had a carpet cleaning business a carpentry business he um uh, was a caretaker at the Assembly of God campgrounds, you know, where he kind of did everything um, there. And uh, so, I, and I and I watched that growing up, and and I don't think I really thought about it until mm-hmm. probably right now. But uh, <laughs> you know, yeah, that was the model that he set for me, and then that's yeah. that's kind of where where I'm yeah. at. I think. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? I think that the negative side of pivot is commitment issues. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. I think on a personal note, that would be me. Like, I I get bored easy, and so um, me changing up things is is not because necessarily I'm building, but just because I'm bored. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? Um, Yeah, I definitely think that that can be. A negative yeah. trait if you're not um, changing things up for the right reasons. But that comes down to self-awareness, mm-hmm. I think. And like we've talked about that a lot on this podcast is being self-aware and getting down to the the truth of why you're doing what you're doing um, and being honest about that. So I wanted to have the conversation because I want to encourage people that pivoting. Yes is not a negative thing it's a positive um you know or or at least it it can be a positive thing if not always i mean i yeah i think 99.9 percent of the time it's positive and being stuck in something i'm a very committed person yeah if i decide i'm going to do something i commit to it yeah and it is actually difficult for me to get me to pivot Mm -hmm. um because because I'm so such a you're very loyal, yeah, and, and committed to, not only committed to others but committed to myself too. It's like That's, I yeah. I decided that I'm going to do this, and so I'm doing it. And yeah. sometimes that could lead me to running myself into the ground, and you know whether physically, emotionally, right. you know, financially, you know, whatever yeah. it is. It's like because I'm so committed to that what I said I'm going to do. Yes. Versus, you know, which I think there is positive traits, you know, to that, because I think that gets into, you know, pivoting too early is having commitment issues. Right. And never pivoting is uh, basically insanity or, you know, it's, it's, well, it's like not growing, it's not growing, you know, it's, it's doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and expecting things to change. And so, there is a balance yes. of pivoting too often too early yeah. 
and pivoting at the right time. I think that's maybe why you and I make a better team because I like to pivot maybe every six months and you're, <laughs> you're like, wait, let's just <laughs> give it some time. <laughs> yeah. Before we get too far along, I, you, we got to go back to the racetrack. When Cody, when I was working the racetrack, Cody would go with me and his first hustle at five years old, <laughs> maybe six, he started probably when he was four or five out there. Um, but he'd just go with me and <clears throat> the customers would, he would be serving hamburgers or whatever. And customers would always ask him, uh, if he, if I was paying him good and, uh, I'd always tell them that he's just working for tips. So about halfway through the season, I look over there and he's got a paper bag that he's holding up on the, on the counter. And it says, I am working for tips. And immediately he started making 50 bucks a night off of tips. <laughs> he was making more than I was. <laughs> I think that's very indicative of, um, well, really both of you, because I mean, Greg is an entrepreneur and you, you learned that mm -hmm. from your dad. Um, but I think that is very indicative of like who you are is just like, well, I see this opportunity. I'm going to do it. <laughs> and right. And, and learning to be an entrepreneur and learning business. You know, I was six years old and you were taking me out there, not because you had to babysit me, you know, because, because you actually were letting me do things. Yeah, and like you were running cash register yeah, at one yeah, point, right? right? You were yeah. letting me give and change back and everything all on his own. You know, it's like it, it, mm -hmm. it was all simple math. It's like the hot dog was a dollar fifty, and I needed to give fifty cents back. You know, when they gave me two bucks, but it was it was still learning that type of stuff. You yeah, know, at six years old, running a register, people giving me a five dollar bill, and you know, and and you know, maybe you were in the back, you know, making it when you were like counting it out of like with me of you know what I need to be giving back or whatever. But I was learning. Yeah. Um, yeah. You learn pretty quick and, and you was doing it all on your own, you know, within just a few weeks. So, yeah, I think it's just a really good example of, you know, creating the space, I think, um, for people to be curious, um, but also just, you know, you like diving into that, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? As a six year old, just not even like. I mean, you were working, really. You were right. working, mm -hmm. but like you were fine with that because you were, you were curious. You were learning, and you were building entrepreneurial skills and like making people tip you and whatever. But <laughs> <laughs> like, I just, I, I think it's a good lesson for people to pay attention to of how to learn how to be curious. You know, right? So I have been, I've been reading the Four Hour Work Week by uh, Timothy Ferris, and one of the things that. He, My Christmas I just present read. from Cody. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, one of the things that he said that I really liked that that I was just reminded of because of Sarah, what you were talking about of boredom mm -hmm. and, and being bored. Yeah. Is he was talking about happiness, and he was saying that if you, what he thinks is that a synonym for happiness is excitement, and if you were to look at the the opposite of happiness, it's not sadness, it's not anger, it is boredom. Mm -hmm. That the opposite of happiness is boredom. And I really liked that. Yeah. And also very much made me think of you. Yeah, well, okay, yes. Um, first of all, I love that quote. It. I read it 
I don't know, three years ago or something. And I come back to it all the time um, because I think we're all searching for happiness. Like that's a pretty common understanding, right? We're out here like trying to figure out what makes us happy. Um, And I think just understanding that it's not what makes you happy, but what makes you excited that's important is important. Mm -hmm. Like that that's what you should be paying attention to. Um, Also, I love the quote because I get so restless and so bored so fast. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. I, I think, I mean, I do think it has its pros and cons, right? Mm -hmm. We can be honest about that. I do think that there's some good things about my restlessness um, that I like, like it makes me curious. It makes me discover new things. It makes me find new hobbies, you know, whatever it is. Um, It it also is not great. (laughs) Because I can't stick to anything, you know. Mm-hmm. I I have a really hard time, like, like we were just talking about, like being fully committed. Um, because I just get bored, even if I love what it is. Like, I mean, if we're being completely honest, making three videos a week every single week for a year and a half, I'm bored now. Like, I I have to sometimes not all the time but sometimes I have to convince myself that I want to film a video you know um I get bored really easy and I don't I I don't know that that's a good thing but I think um understanding that it's excitement that you should be searching for rather than happiness because happiness is so elusive right um but that you should pay attention to excitement is is really good yeah i mean and that i think that what you hit there at the end is exactly what i was wanting to add is that chasing happiness is so hard because what is happiness yeah you like it's so hard to define happiness and it's it's like what does it even mean to be happy right but if you change your goal Mm -hmm. and you change your mindset that you're not you're not chasing happiness right you're chasing excitement and excitement is curiosity yeah whatever makes you excited is what makes you curious and whatever makes whatever you're curious about is what makes you excited yes yeah wow what a really good ending that is (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah I, i personally don't get bored very easy you know, I can get excited about anything. So, you know, I, I'm typically a pretty happy person. And, uh, do you get, do you get bored with doing the same thing too much? Yes. I definitely get bored with things, but as far as my life goes, I don't get bored. I mean, I, you know, that's a lot. I mean, that's kind of why I do pivot because I do get bored with what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, like for instance, we was selling, you know, 80, you know, to 100 houses a year. And I kind of got bored with that. And so I kind of got other than needing something for retirement. But, you know, that's (laughs) why I pivoted into the rental management and the investing. And because it just I just got bored going out and showing houses day after day and and, and everything. And I still like I I've slowed down enough now that I enjoy when I go do it. I enjoy it. But um, I don't have to go do it every day, you know. I've mm-hmm. got the other stuff that's taking care of us, and and you know, 
selling and showing houses is just kind of extra at this point. Right. But. Yeah, and I think that that is, you know, something that I don't, I don't know if you have consciously thought about, you know, that you you do get bored, um, and and that, I think that is what has led to. Yeah you're pivoting because you're chasing that excitement of something right. new. And I think that uh, something that maybe it's in our genes or something, because I think you passed it down to me. <laughs> we got just the right amount of excitement, uh, commitment and, uh, yeah. you know, boredom or whatever, right. because it, you know, instead of getting bored with something after a year, it's like getting bored with something after 10 years. Right. Like right. that's a good chunk of time, which, right. you know, allowed, you know, allowed you to go, you know, buy the water park, run that, you know, to the best that you could think of to run it for 10 years until you were like, ah. I mean, it's, I'm kind of getting bored of doing this. Uh -huh. And, you know, you kept doing it to build the real estate business and you did that for 10 years and then you're like, well, I'm kind of bored of selling all these houses. And then you moved into rental management and now you, because of the amount of commitment involved in there, you were able to build on top of each other right. to the point now where you're looking to retire, you know, before 55. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the plan. We'll see. <laughs> but we're, really, you know, we're it, getting close, so I think I can right. make it happen. And even if you don't make it happen at 55, it's still before 60. Yes. You know, and more people, and most, yes, the vast I'm, majority My of goal people. was for 60, 61, but I got bored with that idea, so I moved it up to 55. <laughs> <laughs> right. Challenge yourself. You know, and so now you're going to move into, uh, you know, a life of being able to travel and right. you know follow. Do, follow excitement yeah around the world or wherever you want to go exactly and yeah. you know i i think that, that one you know is inspiring and two makes me think is there any possibility that i'm going to be able to retire at 55 <laughs> yeah <laughs> luckily though luckily though you did not actually purchase the water park until you're 32 so i got, you like, got a couple years i got a few more years before mm -hmm. i have to catch up to my dad couple i can years still to make your i can still deliver pizzas for 3 years <laughs> yeah and i and and truthfully i didn't start my retirement until well depends on how you want to look at it i didn't start really getting into in buying rentals and stuff until I was probably 42, 43. So, mm. um, Oh wow. We got plenty of time. <laughs> yeah. But I, that started years ago, you know, when I, I mean, we, I bought my right. first house at 22. I think you bought your first one at 19, Eight, 18, like 18. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I always took care of my credit, you know, no matter what, my credit was always good. I never um, did anything that was going to hurt my credit. And so when it got to a certain point um, where we was able to buy another house, six years later, we bought it, rented out the first house, you know, and then, you know, yeah, 14 years later, I sold them both and, and made, you know, pretty good chunk of money and was able to uh, finance my next goal in life. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've, I started working on this from the very beginning to get right. here but at the same time it feels like i really didn't start till i was 42 yeah. i mean if you get to 42 and your credit's at 500 you know you're gonna you got a lot of work to hit up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um 
one other quick thing out of the four hour work week. Um, I'm only like seven chapters in, and also we're probably going to be talking about the four hour work week. It's um, good, right? Yeah, for mm-hmm. um, just bits and pieces. You'll probably be seeing some tweets, and we'll also <laughs> probably be bringing it up in the podcast because the the last podcast we had about work life balance. We had that whole conversation and then I started the four hour work week and I was reading even just like in the first three chapters, like this is exactly what I was saying. Timothy Ferris and myself have like the exact same philosophies. He's just actually figured out exactly how to do it and put it into a book. And now yeah. I just need to made a lot of thing. money out of it. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if uh, this is a uh, unsolicited plug, if you enjoyed last week's podcast about the work life balance and you had any sort of. Um, agreement with yeah. what we had to say, then you will definitely love the four hour work week and you should read it. But totally. um, one of the things that he said within the first seven chapters that I've read uh, <laughs> is talking about retirement and how retirement is this kind of um, outdated, outmoded um, thing that has been around, you know, basically. F- the industrial era, you know, era and all this, kind of the baby boomer, your generation, that type of stuff. It's all been about working nine to five, 40 hours a week for 60 years or whatever it is mm-hmm. until, you know, until you can retire. But, it, you know, I, I feel like most people have heard the arguments of like, well, then you retire whenever you're no longer in your prime. You yeah. really, you're retiring essentially because you physically can't work anymore, um, you know, depending on what you're doing. And, you know, just basically pain right being able to survive without working because you can't but his philosophy and the thing that he has uh said in challenging the new rich is what he calls it um i can't remember the exact terminology but i think he calls it micro um retirements to take Mm -hmm. hundreds of micro retirements throughout your entire life and so like his specific thing is that he quote unquote retires every three months or every two months. Um, yeah, he, he t- like works he, two months and then takes a yeah. full month off to like learn a new skill or travel to a new place or whatever yeah. it is. And so he, he takes an entire month off um, every quarter. So working two months, an entire month off, and working two months, an entire month off. Um, and so not only does he get to, you know, travel the world, and learn new things and you know do the, all of the th- things and the dreams and everything that you would possibly want to do and uh you know one of the things he talks about is you know if you are a high achiever and you get to the age of retirement 65 you know 70 or whatever it is you're gonna basically be bored out of your mind you right. know after you know a few weeks because you, you need something to do um and so it's uh, and then also just the fact that most people, whenever you get to retirement age, the amount of retirement that you have is essentially the amount of in like the least amount of income, right? Like including in, like with inflation and all that, yeah. it's usually not great. Like you're probably <laughs> going to go from living a you know if you are living a great lifestyle, you know where you have you know, whatever excess moving into retirement, most likely you're going to move back down into a lower middle class income. Um, and anyways, getting into minutia of of the book, but I just thought that was really interesting. And we're talking about retirement and just, just the fact of, you know, taking instead of working your whole life and then retiring of retiring all the time. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to, being excited, I think, is the whole point. Like, 
can most of us work two months and then take a full month off? No, but well, Timothy would. Well, disagree. he would. He would disagree. Yes, and I I agree with him. I'm just saying, like. We you know, can easily you, make you excuses start, for ourselves. You got to start small though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, it's not about taking an entire month off, but like take a long weekend mm-hmm. and do something. Don't just like sit around, you know, be creative, be curious, be excited. Yep. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have uh, come to the end of this episode. Um yeah father of mine would is there anything that you would like to add anything you want to give to the people <laughs> hmm. the main thing is you know you know don't just sit around waiting for the right job you know there's a lot of people that are ashamed to get a certain job but if you don't have a job take whatever you can get and then work your way up you know until you can get a new job or you know or, or work your way up that job but don't be again don't be scared to uh change you know if if you got a better opportunity and 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 it's not always that opportunity may not just show itself you may have to make that opportunity but you know if you're getting to a point where you're not happy or you're not making enough money you know there's nobody can do it fix it but you i mean you just got to figure out what your next step is and and figure out how you're going to get there and make it happen and you can also design your lifestyle away from having to kill yourself for income Right. You know, we obviously have to create income, but there is also, you know, the fact that many people do not need the brand new car, do not need the excessively big house, do not need all of the things. And if you actually design your lifestyle around what you want instead of what the Joneses have, Mm-hmm. You could actually get a job that you enjoy and make way less money than what you think you need to make because yeah. you are dis- you are creating the income needed to live the lifestyle that actually brings you excitement, not what creates this image of I made it. Right. Yeah, it's not about making millions, but about like what Timothy Ferris says in I think the first chapter of the four hour work week. <laughs> it's not about making millions and becoming a millionaire per se is about living like a millionaire right. or what what we imagine a millionaire's lifestyle is yeah, yeah. and you can live that without being a millionaire right so. which, which if you think about a millionaire's lifestyle the, the what you were thinking about is a lifestyle of freedom yeah and you can live a lifestyle of freedom without a million dollars exactly you just have to design your lifestyle around it yep and be curious yep. so the three of us my because i got the four-hour work week for my dad for christmas um and so the three of us are all reading this book right now so we should do another podcast uh, <laughs> in, in a year in a year and a half whenever you finish the book yeah it's um, gonna be <laughs> i'm on chapter two at the moment so hey that's actually pretty good yeah um so when you finish the book maybe we could do another uh, powwow book club podcast of uh you know lifestyle changes that we're gonna make after reading the four mm-hmm. hour work week let's do it so that is the end of this episode of deeply curious thank you guys so much for joining us as a reminder this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at B&H Photo Video and also by shop.deeplycurious.fm where you can get yourself some Deeply Curious swag, which my dad reps all the time. Um, <laughs> yes, I do. My, I think my parents uh, have purchased, uh, are my are, are number one <laughs> uh, purchaser uh, of shop.deeplycurious.fm. Um, but yeah, uh, 
Thank you guys for listening. Yeah. And we will see you next week. Bye. See ya.